Well, welcome to the next edition of Business Law Focus. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome Johan Boertus, partner and head of the Employment and Compensation Practice at Baker McKenzie in Johannesburg. Johan, thanks for joining us. Great having you again on the show. Um, obviously, you're known to be one of the top labor experts in South Africa. Now, we've had, in March, we had the Minister of Empowerment and Labor releasing the subordinate legislation, which is the Code of Good Practice on the Prevention and Elimination of Harassment in the workplace, and this actually replaces a previous code. Um, but maybe just give us a little bit of a background to it. We have gender-based violence and we have sexual harassment seemingly, you know, spinning out of control in South Africa. Um, how is this really going to change things? Evan, hi. Thank you very much for having me. It's always a pleasure um, chatting with you. Uh, you know, it's, it's nice to have a, uh, an expert on the other side of the of the microphone, you know, asking some really uh, good and interesting questions like this one, you know. We, is, is, is anything going to change with another piece of legislation? For me, the, the high water mark of the code and why I think both employers, employees and other interested parties should welcome it is what it does. It clarifies the unwanted conduct and, and sends a message to employees and employers that a lot of things that um, happen in the workplace is really not acceptable. And if it were to happen, you know, the employee who is on the receiving end of this is not without remedy. And if you are the employer and this sort of thing is happening within your workplace, then you should take steps to prevent that. So, so for me, that is, you know, the, the good message coming out of the code. It really gives us enough uh, range of examples of, of this sort of conduct that is just not conducive to the sort of society we want to create. And it clarifies to both parties, you know, what, what you can then do if, if this were to happen. Obviously, we've got the woke generation and criticism as well of the, the fact that, you know, um, you, you can't sneeze without, you know, having a problem on your hands, um, or, or some, someone questioning, um, what you, what you're doing, you know, and discriminating in, 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 in very broad manner. I mean, is, is there a sense that, uh, we're covering things that are quite realistic, um, at the moment, or are we, uh, trying to accommodate things that are a little bit too, uh, you could call touchy-feely, really? Yeah, good question, Evan. My sense is that the, the, the code is spot on. I do not think that it, it oversteps the bounds. Uh, and when it comes to the issue of harassment, workplace bullying, discrimination, frankly, I think, I, I hesitate to think that we can actually go too far. Um, you know, mm. especially considering our, our background and history as a country, you know, we, we have a long way to go as far as eliminating unfair discrimination, harassment, uh, workplace violence, bullying uh, is concerned. Um, so I, I don't think the, the legislature has overstepped the mark and made it impossible for employers and managers, you know, to manage uh, uh, in the workplace. I mean, for me, as a as a as an employer and as a manager, you know, and as a partner, I, I take a lot of um, comfort and heat from the from the code that clarifies and says, listen, if, if you are to behave in a certain manner, you know, understand that it's not acceptable. And, uh, and I think that message is a very important one to go out to employers, people in power out there to say that you may have be, been comfortable in behaving in a certain manner in the past, you know, but this is not uh, 1960s mad men, yeah. you know, yeah. or Wolf of Wall Street um, uh, anymore. This is a modern workplace where we want people to be able to feel comfortable coming to a workplace to be themselves, to be their true selves and feel comfortable in who they are within that workplace because that is the sort of society we want to create. So, so I, for one, 
note me down as very much in favor of the of the code and i think it's a step in the right direction yeah and of course we look at the statistics um the psychological impact of harassment i mentioned uh, gender-based violence which is you know, one out of three women affected. And, and the workplace impact is also significant because it's psychological, but it's also economic impact. You know, uh, the, these people struggle to actually carry on working. So the impact is, is actually really significant. Uh, I cannot agree with you um, more, Evan. I mean, if you want to read a really compelling um, judgment, the first reported judgment that, uh, that we're aware of on sexual harassment in South Africa was a judgment by the late uh, Arthur de Kock, you know, um, mm. as, and it was as recently as 1989, J versus M in the industrial court. And there, you know, um, Arthur really unpacked the impact of sexual harassment on the victim of, um, you know, of, of, of such conduct. And that judgment was subsequently quoted by the Supreme Court of Appeal in Media 24 versus Grobler, you know, which is still the, which is still the, the seminal case uh, on the matter. So, so what it does, reading these judgments, and actually, you know, as uh, as an attorney dealing with clients who experience this sort of behaviour within the workplace, it really uh, it, it drills the, um, home the, the the point. It brings home the point so poignantly as to the negative impact that this has on people. Um, often, the, the the perpetrators of of harassment, of bullying, and of sexual harassment, you know, I, I, um. They, they stand. Um, they stand on the sidelines and do not experience the, the profoundly negative impact that the behaviour has yep. um, on, uh, on 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 others. And, and I don't think we can go far enough to Indeed. communicate to, to to employees, to communicate to managers, and say this is the impact of the sort of behaviour, and this is why we should eradicate it within the workplace and hopefully within our society at large. Yeah, and I just wanted to start with, uh, we, we're very much talking about the workplace here um, and not necessarily um, discrimination, harassment um, between private individuals. I mean, it, so in other words, this is, it, would you say it's a little bit stricter in the workplace than for private individuals or, you know, how do you play that out if, if you, you know, you, you, you feel intimidated or discriminated against by, you know, someone, your neighbor? Um, that's a separate process. Is is that um, not as uh, broad as as the current one, as, as as this new code? So, section nine of the uh, of the constitution, the Bill of Rights, guarantees everyone um, the right to equality. So, no one is allowed to unfairly discriminate against anyone else. Yeah. You know, and that applies both in the employment relationship and applies in private relationship. It applies between the state and uh, and individuals. It applies between uh, companies and and other entities, uh, third parties, suppliers, contractors. Within the workplace, the Employment Equity Act uh, and, a, and a couple of other pieces of legislation, uh, for instance, the uh, Protected Disclosures Act, the Occupational Health and Safety Act, all have elements that deal with um, uh, protection of employees uh, amongst others on on uh, unfair discrimination and harassment within the private context outside of the workplace. So um, there is also legislation that gives effect to the Section 9 right on the Constitution against unfair discrimination. Um, the, the acronym PAPUDA, you know, the Prevention of uh, Promotion of Equality and Prevention of Unfair Discrimination Act, that applies to unfair discrimination that takes place outside of the workplace. It's pertinently exclude workplace discrimination because in terms of that, 
the Employment Equity Act um, should be followed. But there is uh, legislation that provides or gives effect to this constitutional protection against unfair discrimination. So if you, uh, and, and this sort of thing happens, is uh, the Equality Court uh, in, in, in Randburg, here's a lot of these cases, if, if you were to be the victim of unfair discrimination, whether you go to a shopping center and somebody unfairly refuses you uh, service, whether you are the victim of racial or gender or any other form of discrimination uh, from your neighbor, for instance, you can lodge a claim in terms of the PUDA and go to the uh, employment uh, uh, or to the to the, equal, um, the equality court. As far as you know, whether the the test is more stringent in the employment mm. environment. Where, where the legal framework differs is that the employer, in terms of the Employment Equity Act, can be held liable for the acts of unfair discrimination of its employees, you know, unless it puts in place certain certain steps. Yeah. So that is where where the law uh, uh, differs. There's a statutory form of a vicarious liability that's created in terms of Section 60 of the Employment Equity Act that says that if an employee is a victim of unfair discrimination, for instance, and the employer fails to take reasonable steps to prevent that or to address it, then under those circumstances, the employer can be held liable as um, for uh, for the for the damages suffered by the employee, as if it was the employer who actually conducted uh, or committed the, the unfair discrimination. And that's where it really uh, the employers attract an obligation in terms of the Employment Equity Act that private individuals do not have in terms of the Buddha, you know, to, to really manage an environment that is free of discrimination and to take steps to, um, to, to, to protect employees where employees are the victims of unfair discrimination in the workplace. And I must bring in here, um, Johan, the, the, the famous slap, the Will Smith uh, slap, um, obviously between private individuals, but uh, what would have happened in South Africa? <laughs> So, so, so let's say, I mean, uh, you now send an employee to an awards evening. I mean, yeah. they, and these awards evening, you know, happens, every industry has, uh, has an awards function. And one of your staff members goes up to receive an award and then slaps the, yeah. the, the presenter. There is no doubt about it. That employee would be dismissed for, for misconduct any day of the week. Mm. Um, within the employment environment, you cannot have a situation where one of your staff members assaults a third party, whether that third party is a presenter at an awards evening, whether that third party is a client, is a colleague, you know, is a supplier, you know, if there is a link between the employment relationship and the employees, in this case, uh, 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 violent assault, you know, then the employer has the right to terminate that employment relationship. And there's a really good case of 1988, Dua versus uh, Fonsel versus Dua Opencast Mines, where the uh, uh, employee assaulted his supervisor in the mines club after hours. Uh-huh. And the industrial court at that stage said, but hang on, just because the employee was not in uniform, it took place after hours, you know, that does not give, uh, uh, does not mean that the employer can now not reach into the employee's private life and take action against what the employee does ostensibly in his own time. You know, how can you expect that supervisor that was assaulted by the employee, by his subordinate, you know, to continue working with, with that individual mm-hmm. just because the, the assault took place after hours or not on company premises or out, out of uniform? And the industrial court there confirmed that the test is whether the 
impact on the employment relationship will make that relationship uh, um, uh, intolerable. And we use that same principle to take action against people who misbehave at Christmas functions, at award functions, who misbehave on social media, for instance. The mere fact that you are not in a physical office or in uniform, you know, if, if it makes the employment relationship intolerable, then the employer is very much entitled to take disciplinary action and dismiss you. Yeah, and, and I mean, just the, the how broad it is, and, and thanks for that. That's actually a fabulous answer, and it's amazing how um, you know there's there's so many divergent views on the potential consequences internationally. Um, but but that's fabulous clarity. Um, but just to get back to the code is you know when I look at it, um, sexual violence and harassment element. Um, in, in the workplace is one of the four forms of violence and harassment. But when I read it, it says it includes any conduct that the person knows or should know that is not welcome, offends the complainant, or makes the complainant feel uncomfortable. Um, employers obviously really need to be aware of this because it's, 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 it's pretty broad, right? Absolutely. And that, that is why, you know, for me as a practitioner and as a, as a, as a, as a manager in a, in a workplace, you know, I think as an employer, what you should be doing is to go out there and communicate with your staff and say that, yeah. listen, we, we set the bar uh, uh, very high when it comes to our expectations of acceptable behavior within this workplace. You know, um, and if you do any of the following things, and the code really spells it out for us, from things such as, you know, eye rolling, withholding of, of, of work for staff, mm-hmm. you know, which in, if you just read it cold, it may seem, but yeah, that, uh, it really goes far. far yeah. But if you, if you, if you speak to people who are the victims of harassment in the workplace, that is the sort of behavior that, um, that makes them feel uncomfortable, that makes them feel demeaned. So, so that is why majors, employers who read this code should go out there, have discussions with the employees. If you're an HR director, it should be really close to the top of your list to have, to make sure that you're, Code on dealing with harassment and uh, discrimination in the workplace is is up to date, and that you have some form of induction for new staff coming in, so that you can say to them, "This is our acceptable standard of behaviour within this workplace here." I don't care what what was acceptable in another workplace where you may have worked previously, but when you work at this business, you know this is what we expect of you, and need to make sure that there is ongoing um, training and awareness making. You know, with staff. And then probably the final most important point that employers should do is that they should create an environment where employees can raise complaints and when employees raise complaints, take action about them. Yeah, because if you look at, at bullying, you know, workplace bullying, for example, um, it includes obviously the normal areas of harassment and sexual harassment, um, offenses, um, but I, I note also social exclusion. That's, employers are going to have to look at that. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and, and what we've seen, um, and, and I can say to you on a, on a very practical level, over the past, I would probably say like five years or so, we've seen a number of very high-profile um, terminations uh, with, with, with employers, you know, where senior, uh, where senior executives within organizations are being terminated because the organizations got to a point where they're saying, I don't care whether you are you know, the biggest rainmaker within this organization, mm-hmm. where, whether you are the biggest fee earner, whether you are the, um, the most high-profile employee within our organization, if you are going to create an environment where people are bullied, where people are harassed, where people feel intimidated and they don't want to come to work, or we can't attract or retain the, the best talent, 
because of how you behave within the workplace. We will terminate you. And and this is, you know, when if I consider when I when I started practicing years years ago, my sense is there was a much greater level of tolerance within organisations mm. of that sort of behaviour because you know. The, the, the bottom line was more important for many organizations. I've seen a change over the past couple of years where companies are saying it is not um, in our interest to retain uh, profitable uh, people like that, you know, high-profile executives, if the net result of all of this is that we cannot attract and retain other talent within the organization. And then you link, you know, your other area of expertise, you know, the um, the, 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 the risk management element to this. You know, the, the negative publicity that is associated with such a, such a workplace, with such a business. Companies are just saying it's not, it's not worthwhile keeping people like that. If you, if you're going to behave like that, um, we're going to let you go no matter who you are. And, and that's, that I'm seeing on a, on a practical level regularly, um, nowadays. Yeah. No, fabulous. Just the last one. Um, obviously, the whistleblowers, obviously, in the news a lot um, at Zonda. I mean, I always, it's a cautionary tale, you know, to me also as a, as a journalist and, and as an attorney, you know, that you need to try and verify. You know, you can't just take things at face value and you need to hear both sides, of course. But um, certain whistleblowers, of course, um, you know, that were killed, you know, because they were blowing the whistle on genuine cases. And there's clearly a case for more protection. Is this going to help? So I hope so. I, my heart really goes out to to whistleblowers. I would love to see an environment, and I, and I don't have the answer for it. I don't know how we create better practical protection for whistleblowers. One thing that that has come to mind, you know, uh, over the years is perhaps to have like a a state uh, or, or even a, a business uh, um, support and fund, you know, that whistleblowers can draw from because. The, Primarily, there, there are significant economic consequences, and the research bears it out. You know, if, if you're a whistleblower, as a general proposition, there is probably going to be some form of economic loss to you. Mm. You know, whether that comes in the, in the form of, you know, losing your job, losing opportunities, being uh, outcast from that community. Um, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of courage uh, to to be a whistleblower. And, um, and, and there's a lot of economic downside to it. So in my mind, if we were to create a, a fund, you know, that a whistleblower can draw from, you know, with, with, with checks and balances yeah. that will soften the financial impact of blowing the whistle, I think that is probably the best practical assistance we can give to whistleblowers. But what the code certainly does, it makes reference to the Protected Disclosure Act and just confirms that where an, where an employee makes a protected disclosure, you know, then the employee has a safeguard against occupational detriment. Um, and that, that occupational detriment includes harassment by a manager, by the organization. So it just confirms that if, if you have whistleblowers within your organization, you know, they deserve protection. And some of that protection includes protection against harassment. Brilliant. Johan, fabulous chatting as always. Thanks for, for really laying it out in um, understandable terms. I think it's such an important piece of, uh, of uh, regulation that I think every employer out there needs to take on board and certainly put into action. And uh, But it requires a little bit of a nuanced understanding because there's certain elements here that are not genuinely not being covered, not enough being done. And certainly if we can get over the hurdle of, you know, avoiding the economic impact plus the psychological impact and the genuine um, you know, effect on individuals um, that is, uh, you know, um, 
you know, direct um, hurt, um, you know, we can, it'll be good for the, for everyone and the economy um, as a whole will benefit. So, so thanks very much. Um, really interesting discussion as always, Johan. Uh, Evan, I really appreciate it. Thank you for the, the, the platform and for uh, spreading the gospel. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure chatting with you, man.